Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Kate Ziegler. Kate is a Boston-based realtor, investor, and entrepreneur. Born and raised on a farm in rural Pennsylvania, she had made Boston home since attending Northeastern University to study international affairs and art. Kate started her career in legal operations and corporate property management. The daughter of a contractor, Kate grew up on construction sites, roofing and framing. She now applies that experience to owning and managing multiple family properties in Boston, where she lives with her partner, Jack Romano. As a realtor, Kate specializes in helping millennial buyers find homes that fit their unique needs in a competitive market without leaving the communities they love. Kate and Jack also run boutique design firm Union Jack Creative, currently focused on developing a platform to help Boston's artists sell more work without wasting creative bandwidth on sales. So I'm so excited to have Kate here today to chat all about how to manage multiple income streams without completely losing your mind. So let's dive right in. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about how to manage multiple income streams with you. So before we dive in, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. My name is Kate Ziegler, and I'm a realtor, investor, and entrepreneur in Boston. I work by day in property management for a law firm in downtown Boston. So I handle their internal space, their conference services, and reception teams, and a lot of the events going on in our space, as well as a major renovation that we're in the middle of right now. So there's a lot going on there. And then I also work in real estate investment with my partner, Jack Romano, and I work as a Um, residential sales agent in Boston. So I help people, mostly buyers, um, mostly first-time buyers, honestly, buy houses in the Boston area, buy homes in the Boston area, and navigate that space um, without it being a nightmare process. It doesn't need to be terribly difficult, and I really enjoy helping people do that. And then my partner, Jack, and I also run a design firm in Boston called Union Jack Creative. And Union Jack right now is really focused on two different products. One is Boston Art Shop, which is a platform for Boston artists to sell their art. Uh, We like to say we're filling a space between Etsy and a gallery space and helping folks who are working on their art, but also have day jobs to have a space to promote their art, sell their art, and to take the logistics out of that for them so that we can handle some of those details. And we also recently launched a product called Home Love Letter, which is a template, um, an online free template that helps people to figure out what to write in a letter to a home seller. Um, A lot of my clients right now use love letters, what we jokingly call love letters to sellers, to try to make their offers more competitive. And it is a tool that we built out of that need and that helps people understand what details are important to a seller um, and takes some of the stress out of essentially writing a cover letter when you're submitting an offer for a home. Wow, well, you definitely have a lot on your plate, um, but I, I like all the different directions and you know, I think it's really great to have multiple income streams. And the, it's funny that you, you mentioned having to write love letters because I live in Texas and I know it's so competitive in other places, like to get homes, like literally like homes are flying off the shelves. And it is that way in Texas. 
but I feel like it's just like for some reason it's not as crazy and like you don't really have to do that as much as you do on like the east coast just from my experience because we just bought a home and you know it was a brand new home there was no one else you know not that there was no one else interested in it but we didn't have to compete with a million other people for right right and I feel like in the, on the East Coast, for some reason, that is not the case. Every, because I guess maybe because it's a lot more expensive than it is here in Texas. <laughs> Everyone is like, they find a good home that is not extremely expensive. They're like jumping on it. So I just yeah. want to make that note because I thought that was interesting because like, you know, don't really need that here from my experience. But um, I definitely have heard lots of things about like people... I know a girl who lived in Maine and she had so much trouble getting houses. It was just like literally falling over the house someone else would like outbid them and you know it was just crazy so yeah it's it's a little nuts and so it does vary state to state texas also the buying process is slightly different it's structured a little bit differently um in massachusetts for example the the initial offer is actually a contract and then there's a separate contract for purchase and sale and i'm pretty sure texas does it with an options period um so it's a little bit different structure but I think the the thing about the letter is a lot of times my clients are really hesitant about it and it's not something that's required, but it really gives people, just like if you were applying for a job, it gives you a chance to sort of explain why your offer is the way it is and to show that you're committed to it and that even if there's something strange that you're trying to work around, that you're serious about it. And I think, you know, it really is about a third of the deals that I do with buyers that the love letter makes a difference and is something that sellers really comment on and weigh heavily. So you know, it's not common everywhere yet, but I, I think that it doesn't hurt and it's, it's not a bad thing to try. It's just that people don't know what to write. So really the template um, that's on homeloveletter.com was built out of templates that I've used with clients and that they've had success with and sort of anonymized and put into essentially a Mad Lib so that people can use that as a starting point and just fill it out there. No, I think that's really cool. I mean, it's really interesting. It's something I haven't heard of before. It's, no, I think businesses like that are like that are super unique are ones that they usually do really well because, you know, it's like a, you're filling a need that people didn't really know needed to be filled until like you actually bring that to the table, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> <laughs> no, you can go. Oh, no, no. I just said, here's hoping. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's just dive right in. Um, so what are some of the benefits for having you know, multiple income streams as a business owner? So I think one of the biggest ones is just some flexibility and some confidence in all of your businesses. For me and for my partner, Jack, it's been um, a process and we got into all of these businesses because we really wanted to be able to have a plan B. Uh, we both graduated just before the last recession, but, um, you know, weren't really sure in 2008 what exactly was going to happen to our day jobs, where we were going to be. And we both came from entrepreneurial families. So setting up a plan B was always something that was easy and, and made sense to us. But we've sort of diversified it across all of these different things because it gives us the chance to really push in the other things we want to do. So for example, um, my work as a realtor and my work in design has both helped me in my work in my nine to five. I've been at Mintz for over 10 years at this point. And I use my real estate experience um, when I'm managing our space on a, a corporate side. And I use my design experience when I'm doing work in my nine to five, um, you know, talking to architects and talking to designers and doing all of that work. So it does apply. Uh, and it also 
gives me the, the confidence to push for new projects and for promotions and for other things in my day job that I might not be comfortable pushing for if it was my only income stream. At the same time, having the um, sort of stability of a salary and benefits and a nine to five really allows me to serve my clients. Um, sometimes clients who might not be an I, what we would call an ideal client who might be working with a really challenging set of constraints or a really challenging budget or just really aren't sure what they want or need yet. And it allows me to really take time with them and not constantly be watching my commissions and my bills but to focus on them, focus on what they're needing and really hear them and listen closely and help them to find the best fit for what they need at this point. And so for me, it's, it's really been having the multiple, multiple income streams has been about balance and that flexibility and ability to embrace some risk in all of those different facets. Totally. I totally agree with that. And, you know, even as an online entrepreneur that, you know, I do have my own business, but even within my own business, I have multiple income streams. I do products, I do services, um, I do affiliate marketing, you know, there's, I do like, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of different income streams coming into my business. So really good to have, even if you are just like running your business and don't have a day job still. Um, I think it's just really good to have, you know, if, you know, tomorrow, if no one buys my products anymore. I still have my other income streams and vice versa. So Absolutely. It's really, it's really good to be prepared for that because, you know, there might come a day where you, you know, you, know, you, you run out uh, on that one income screen, stream and you need more. So that's kind of where I look at it. And I think it's just not good to put all your eggs in one basket because I know there are so many people on social media and their Instagram influencers and stuff. And that's great. But if you put all your eggs in Instagram's basket or, you know, another social media platform's basket and it shuts down, like, what are you going to do? So I think it's really important to kind of diversify and really just um, make sure you're maximizing your income so that you're not, if some like Instagram pulls a plug, you're not completely um, up a creek without a paddle, you know? So. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it's, whether it's online business, you know, whether it's your full-time business and you're diversifying the streams within that business or it's separate businesses, I think the point is the flexibility and the ability to pivot if something changes. Um, you know, the ability to say, okay, well, I have all of this going on in Instagram or in Pinterest or in a certain space, but maybe they change the platform and something changes. You need to have the ability to both see the opportunity, which I think having a diverse set of income streams can help you see the opportunities across media, but also the flexibility and knowing you've got something else that you can spin up if you need to change on whatever is your primary focus right now. Totally, totally. And like, I know as a kid, my mom always said like, don't put all your eggs in one basket when it came mm -hmm. to friends and, you know, different activities I was doing. And I was just kind of like, okay, mom, haha. But then like when I started my business, I was like, wow, like that's really true because you can get burned because you know, if you're just committed to just this one thing and it completely like goes dry, then you're kind of having to figure out, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? But if you have it from the get-go and you're already implementing where you're only getting like, you know, if most of your services, like if your services are your main, your main income stream and you get a little bit from products, at least you have something there, you know, you're not completely dry and like, oh my God, I need to create a product because all my services are like not doing well or something. So you know, just kind of having multiple income streams from the get-go really helps, even if it's not super profitable at the beginning. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so what are some streams of income that you kind of recommend having as a business owner, whether online or if you also have a nine to five, just like different types of things that we could be doing to enhance our income? So I think, and I'll confess that I'm a little bit biased because this is one that I'm very involved in, but I do think that real estate is underrated as a secondary income stream for people. Um, Whether it's just the ability to consider your home part of your business and your investment, you know, maybe that's buying your own single family home so that you have a home office that you can write off on your taxes and you know that you have that space that your costs are fixed. Or maybe it's buying a two-family home and renting out one of the units to cover some of that mortgage, depending on what the real estate market looks like in your space. Maybe it's buying a second small unit and renting it out for the income if you can feel comfortable getting into that space and comfortable managing it. Um, But I think even at a bare minimum, thinking of your home as part of your business and how that investment can impact your stability in running your various businesses and managing other income streams can be really, really beneficial. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot tied up in home and it's, it can be so tough, especially when you're buying your first home to take emotion out of it and feeling like it should be your forever home. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there for people who are running businesses online or off to build in some more stability and build in some more return and um, invest in a a different way in their businesses. And then I think it also can be really beneficial, as you already mentioned, um, in the online space to build up just different revenue streams within one business to say, I'm going to work on these products and I'm going to work on these services and I'm going to also you know, put this one piece of this up for maybe some ad revenue. I think this would be good for that. And diversifying in that way can be really beneficial. But I also think there's a lot of benefit to, and again, I'm biased. I think there's a lot of benefit to working across um, different types of work and sort of diversifying a portfolio in doing work that is different, but that you really still feel strongly and passionately about. Um, For example, the ability to Um, work, for example, for me, for the ability to work on a creative business, to work in design has always been a really nice balance to the very (laughs) sort of logistics focused, um, big picture planning focused work that I do by day. And the, both of those are separate from the negotiation that goes with being a real estate agent and working with other agents to negotiate deals and to move deals along. So all of those things use different parts of my skill set and are different things that I'm passionate about, but they do overlap and they make me stronger at all of the different parts of my business. Um, you know, I've learned so much more about construction, for example, than I had personally experienced up until I worked in my role at Mintz and tying all of that together so that I can have it also in my real estate work and also as I'm dealing with projects at home. Um, I think is really beneficial and can be a good way for people to think about what skills they want to develop on their own and what they would like to get more experience in, but trying to monetize that from the get-go and think of it all as part of a business and a separate income stream that is part of doing business from the get-go. Totally. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And real estate is something my husband and I are interested in kind of like exploring in the future. Right now, obviously we have a house, but like we're looking into like investing more in that in the future for sure. So 
definitely think that's a good industry income stream to add personally. Um, you know, if you, even if you're just not going to like make a full business out of it, just like a personal thing with your other staff or whatever. Um, and it definitely varies. I mean, you know, it's not going to be for everyone and that's okay. I realize that I'm, I certainly lean as one direction more than the other, but I think it's important to at least allow yourself to consider it as an opportunity that you might have to diversify without, you know, starting a whole separate business. You might have some room, depending on your skill set and your comfort level and your market, your local market, to expand in that way and have it also con conveniently be part of your home. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Um, and I like how you also mentioned like being able to run the design business kind of gives you that creative outlet. And I feel the same way. I mean, I do social media management for my main business, but I also have had a blog since 2015 and I still do that. And while I'm able to make some income from that, it's not my main income source, but it's still nice because I feel like that allows me to embrace my creativity more than obviously social media management does. Cause you know, that's up to the client and I get to kind of get my input, but if the client doesn't like it, then, you know, I can't really do it. But with my own thing, I can do, you know, I can experiment and do different things. Um, if it's not like a sponsored opportunity, I mean, I can still experiment with sponsored opportunities, but it's like, you know, a little more, here are the guidelines you need to meet. But it's like one of those things, being able to have that creative outlet and potentially also get paid for it. That's, that's really nice too. And it's something like, even if you do have a nine to five and you don't plan on ever leaving and becoming a full-time business owner, just having like something on the side that is like, you know, a hobby that can bring in money is really awesome too, because you can use that extra income to save towards your next vacation or getting a house or just like bring in an extra income. And I know a lot of people do that these days. Like they have a nine to five, but then they also, you know, blog on the side or they like have some customer support job on the side, but they just like bartend on the side. There's so many people who do that these days. And it's not like it used to kind of be weird when people had multiple jobs, but it's a lot more common than it used to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something I do workshops on this a lot in Boston um, around the hustle and imposter syndrome when doing a side hustle and how all of that has started to shift. And we start to think of that sort of side hustle as a good thing, despite that article about millennial burnout um, that came out recently. I think people still are really feeling like they want to have more options. And also in a social media world where we're so focused on personal brand and on the brand of our business, it's sometimes nice to have another outlet for those other parts of ourselves that maybe don't fit. You know, realtor Kate might not be posting about her shoes all the time or she might be because I'm, I'm bad about that. But you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's nice to have sort of separate places where we can have those pieces of ourselves and share those with the world, but still also be doing the best work we can for our business and our brands um, when it is appropriate to keep those focuses a little bit more narrow and more mission-driven. Totally, yeah. And I mean, the way I look at it is, and like back in the day, people used to be a part of like book clubs and they had hobbies and stuff, but now you can monetize the things you love and it's like, it's the best of both worlds. You get to do what you love and also you can profit off of it. So why wouldn't you go and do that if you have a little extra time? Absolutely. Um, and of course it gets like increasingly harder as you get, have kids and all that stuff, but you know, just honing in on it when you, when you're like young before you have kids or anything, or even after you have kids, if you have extra time, like it's really, it's a really good way to bring in extra money um, and you know, do what you love. So. And I think that's a really important piece to also touch on is that sometimes it can change back and you don't want your hobbies that you've monetized to then 
be totally draining you, right? Yeah. Like if the business is taking too much from you, if your, your blog as a business or your hobby as a business is taking too much from you, the nice thing about having multiple income streams is that it allows you to pivot again and to claim that back and say, you know what, I'm done needing scarves for Etsy and <laughs> I'm going to focus on just knitting when I feel like it or I'm yeah. you know, done lettering, doing calligraphy for wedding invitations. I don't want to sit around and do these anymore. I've got other things I want to do and shifting that business somewhere else and focusing your energy on something else is okay. And it's, it helps to have multiple things going on so that you can scale one down and not feel like you're taking a big hit in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like if you feel like, okay, I need to like do this more as a hobby again, because making, you know, like you said, scarves or whatever for other people is just not what I want to do anymore. I want to do this, you know, personally, but not as a business, you can do that because you're not only relying on that one source. Exactly. Yeah. Really important for sure. So when do you think is a good time to kind of add on new income streams to our plate? Like, do you recommend kind of diversifying from the get-go or, you know, starting with one, then when you're comfortable with that, adding on another and so forth? I think it's important to take one at a time for sure. <laughs> um, but I think it's also just really important to be sure that you're taking on a new income stream because you're ready to, to dig into something new and because you think that it will fur further whatever your ultimate goal is, mm -hmm. um, not just because you don't want to do the hard stuff in whatever is your current income stream. You know, just because you don't want to dig in and do your bookkeeping for your design business, that is not a good time to start getting into real estate investment, you know? Um, I, think, I think the other thing that I see a lot is clients that I work with, especially in real estate and as an agent who are planning weddings and also planning a family and also want to buy a house all in the same six months. And it usually doesn't come up until late and it usually doesn't come up until somebody says, oh, you know, actually we can't close that date because that's our wedding. And I'm like, wait, that's your actual, not your anniversary, that's your wedding? You didn't mention this? Um, we should work around that. <laughs> and I think, you know, trying to take on too many life changes at once really can sort of doom those new businesses. And I personally am really guilty of this, of really um, struggling with patience and not wanting, not having everything at once. You know, I decide on a course of action and I personally really want it to all happen right now. And I want to put it all into motion. Um, and it, I have to work at scaling that back and at controlling my instinct to do that. Because if you do try to do it all at once, it will A, be a miserable six months and B, just not really put you in the best position to get things, get things rolling and to have it be sustainable totally. and rewarding. Um, so I think to answer your question uh, in the negative, the best time to start a new income stream is not uh, several times. <laughs> so not when there's too many major life changes, not when you're moving across the country and um, you know, maybe wait till you park your car on the West Coast and then, then decide to start a new income stream. But um, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and that it is fitting into a larger set of goals that you have for yourself. You know, for example, um, maybe you want to get better at design software and so you want to start designing um, for clients and start designing outside of just doing things here or there for friends. And that's a good place to say, okay, I'm going to start this separate income stream and I'm going to invest in a couple of tools that will help me 
practice them and get better at them and then I can apply it to my other work. Or maybe you are thinking, you know, you want to go for a slightly different type of job, you want to perfect a different type of skill and it's worth getting into a little bit of bookkeeping on the side or doing some of those things that are skills that you want to improve for furthering a different um, goal that you have elsewhere in your life. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I love the point about how you said, like, don't don't try to do like something when you have way too many things going on. I actually did that like back in 2016 when I was actually first starting this business. I was still working full time, but I was also um, planning my wedding and getting a um, master's at the same time. That happens a lot. good idea I'm gonna start this business and you know I'm still working full-time too so it's just like a lot going on and you know I managed to do it but I probably could have done it a lot better and a lot to have like a lot more success sooner if I wouldn't have tried to do 700 things at once and that's just and it's hard right you want to you want to do everything when you you have the idea and you think it can work and you know you can do it but then looking at it from the other side it's kind of like you know <laughs> I could have waited six months yeah um, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I would have got a lot more sleep if I would have just chilled exactly. for a minute. But yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being fine. But yeah, it was definitely like the crazy six months or so of leading up to the wedding because I was like, I'm starting this business and I'm still getting my master's. And I'm also, you know, like working full time, like look at me. But it was just like not fun because I wasn't sleeping very much. And, you know, it was like that point, like, don't burn yourself out before you even really get started. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the key point there. Yeah. It was just a mess, but yeah, obviously in a lot better place now, but yeah, <laughs> I've been doing that um, unless you want to go crazy. Exactly. Not to say you can't, you can do it, but not, not the best idea though, but yeah. Um, so what is your number one tip for managing multiple income streams and just kind of some behind the scenes um, advice on how you do that. Yeah. So I think the first thing kind of goes back to touching on, um, when is a good time to add uh, to it? And I think the key thing for me is setting up records and record keeping practices first. And so I know that my partner is going to laugh when he listens to this episode because he is the one who built out all of my tracking spreadsheets when I got into real estate. Um, And I'm very grateful to him because he did a terrific job. But having those built out and in place to scale um, before I even started working with clients was extremely helpful and has been so valuable. So now I can just copy my Google Sheet from last year and bring it into the new year and still everything is there and everything um, takes care of itself. So I think that's really important. Set up your, your record keeping and your systems, assuming that you will scale, even if you don't, and take the time to actually do it and focus on it and think through how you think you might want things organized. Um, and then the other thing, I think, especially when you're just starting out in a new uh, section of your income, um, a new type of income or a new business is really important to scan absolutely everything. So save like every receipt and every note and everything. Um, and then decide later if it's applicable or if it's deductible or what you're doing with it. Um, I think especially when it's a new income stream or a new industry, you might not always know what might be valuable to have down the road and starting out the habit of, over saving until you can pare it down to what is important can be really, really beneficial. So I use um, an app called Cam Scanner on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
they may have recently changed their subscription model since I bought the app, but it was $4.99 when I bought it. And it's terrific. And it automatically crops everything. You don't have to like line up the corners. It does it for you um, and takes really high quality scans with your phone. So I use that for everything. It automatically connects to my Google Drive and to my Box account. And I can just save absolutely everything and then decide later on <laughs> if something is going to be a useful record for me to keep. Um, that was really helpful, especially early in real estate when I wasn't totally clear on like, I don't know, is this deductible? Can I, should I save this? Um, is this a useful piece of information? These notes that I took, uh, it really helped to make sure that I, I knew I had everything and I could always get rid of it later on. So I think that's one of my big, my big suggestions, no matter what the industry is. Um, if it's an online business and you're, you're totally paperless, which more power to you. My partner works that way. I do not. Um, I have a lot of paper on my desk right now and I keep looking at it thinking if I touch anything, it's going to make so much noise in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, even if you're somebody who works totally digitally, just save copies of, of your notes on your phone and all of those little, you know, random pieces of, of data that you accumulate as you're sort of thinking through a new business or a new income stream and have it somewhere that you can find it if you need it. And then hopefully you never need it. Even if it's, you know, the mundanity of an early business, it's not bad to have that stuff to refer to later on. Totally. And yeah, I think that's a really good tip because a lot of the time, people don't save enough of what they need. And then like later down the line, what if they get audited? You know, not necessarily just for receipts and stuff, but anything like that. But just like when it comes to receipts, like people don't save enough. And then, you know, later on they get audited and then they're, you know, they're kind of screwed because they like, don't have all the right stuff. And I also like how you mentioned having systems in place because I know so many people are so eager to jump in that they, you know, they come up with the business, they create all the logo and the branding and they have their website up, but they don't actually think, okay, especially for service-based businesses, they don't think about their client experience or they don't think about contracts, they don't think about anything else. They're just like, yes, I'm so excited to dive in. They forget all the basics that you need. And then once they sign their first client or, you know, things like that, then they're like, what comes next? <laughs> and it's panic. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's not the sexy stuff, right? It's wow. not the exciting stuff about starting a new project. Um, but it can make such a huge difference down the line in terms of scaling if you've already gotten that pinned down and you don't have to be panicking about what to do next or where to put this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's really important and it's just the step that a lot of people forget, myself included. I mean, I have a contract, but I didn't necessarily have like the client experience mapped out and I just was like, uh, how am I gonna send this contract? Like I can't just send like a word document, that's not gonna work. <laughs> so like, you know, once I signed my first client, I was like frantically looking for places to like send contracts and like how to communicate and all that stuff. And it's like, I wish I would've done that from the get go. Um, so, you know, if you guys are considering starting a new venture or you just started a new venture but you haven't gotten your first client yet, make sure you do that. Like get your client experience down or get your systems in place, you know, get a project management tool, whatever you need to do before you take your first client, do it. Like you will feel so much better in the long run because you won't be trying to piecemeal things together just to make it work for the clients down the future. And yeah. I think I think one piece of that um, that's a little bit on the counterpoint is that you don't need to think like 10 years in advance, right? No. <laughs> if you grow a business for a decade, then you can readdress some of these issues down the line. And I think it's Tim Ferriss talks about, um, you know, eventually you'll get to a point where you have new problems that you didn't even consider that you would ever have had to solve. And that's, that's fine. And that's good. And that's normal. But 
you want to at least do the, the base level of work to get yourself organized so that you can evaluate what you're already doing and move forward in a, in a constructive and productive way when you get to that point. So like, don't get totally paralyzed by yeah. how do I build a business from zero to 10 years from now, <laughs> but at least think, you know, maybe six months to a year down the road. Like, what yeah. do I need next tax season? What, <laughs> what records will be helpful to me when I'm restarting for next year's clients? Um, give yourself the, the benefit of sitting down for a couple of days to build out good Google Sheets or whatever tracking you're going to use and set up, you know, your contract service and doing all of those things up front so that you can get from year zero to year three mm-hmm. and then reevaluate from a productive place. Totally. And I love that you said, like, don't let it like completely paralyze you because a lot of people do get stuck in that because they're, they have so much information thrown at them via blogs, videos, podcasts every day. And, you know, they get stuck in that point, like, oh my God, I'm so like overwhelmed with information and they never end up starting. So yeah, don't let yourself get completely bogged down with the details, but just, you definitely need the bare minimum because otherwise you're going to make your life a lot more stressful. Exactly. Yeah. So now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? So for me, I think the key part of being an entrepreneur is just the freedom to say yes to things and the ability to build that flexibility into my life. So I know that I have options and things that I can pivot on and spool up or down depending on what's going on and what my priorities are. I want to allow myself the space to change and to change my mind. And I think that being an entrepreneur really allows that and allows me to explore different interests and different passions um, while also making sure that I keep moving in a forward direction uh, as defined by myself. And then I think in terms of, of a broader real estate career and, and helping others, I really think of that mostly in terms of real estate at this moment in my life, but it's really about helping other people also navigate the process of getting to a place where they can say yes to things. And for some people that is investing in real estate and for some people it isn't, but helping people sort of navigate that decision and then also that process if it's something they want to do or helping people who are trying to get out of their their current home that they own and say, you know, we want to sell it, we want to move on, we want to figure out how to do that the best way possible and the cleanest way possible and then helping people to navigate that. Um, so for me, real estate really is a part of that and is a part of being an entrepreneur, even though it's not, you know, necessarily in and of itself. It's not like a, a startup uh, in real estate, it's working as an agent. But I think that that is really something that has been impactful for me is helping people navigate that. Totally. And I feel like even though like through all the different industries, a lot of people's core is really just wanting to help people. And like, I don't think you can be an entrepreneur without that element. Like you need to want to help people. Otherwise, like, what are you doing? You're just in it for the money. So, right. You're just sort of throwing things out on the internet. If, if you're not trying to help solve some other problem that other people have. (laughs) Yeah. So when it comes to your business, this is actually my favorite question. What is your favorite tool that you use? Just one that like you can't imagine doing business without. Okay. So I mentioned cam scanner, so I will not include that here, (laughs) but uh, Google drive is honestly, I organize everything in Google. And I know that's a really lame answer to this question because that's really obvious, but having the ability to access, um, my calendar and and my documents and everything that I'm working on all 
from any device is huge to me because I'm always working from a different place and running around and being able to find all of that is extremely helpful. Getting a little bit less boring, I will also add Calendly. Um, I think for me, and there, there are other apps that do the same thing, but for me, being able to set up um, something that syncs with my calendar and lets other people book time with me is extremely valuable and helps me, especially when I'm navigating multiple income streams and multiple jobs, um, helps keep me a little bit sane, but also helps people to get on my calendar. And so I have business use cases for Calendly and I have people can set up a, a consultation call with me or can set up a meeting with me to talk through the buying process. But I also have different categories in my Calendly account that are, uh, I think I call them like happy hour, happy hour and coffee date or something that people can just be like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's grab coffee one day downtown. And I like having those different use cases for that. And I've made some of those personal just because sometimes, you know, all of your friends are also busy. Um, everyone is hustling. And it's just really nice to be able to send people a link instead of a doodle poll and say, if you put myself on my calendar, if you put yourself on my calendar, I will be there. I will show up. Um, and sometimes that can be really nice just to keep your sanity and sort of make sure that you deal with your personal and, and social relationships as well. Yeah, no, I use Acuity, which is pretty much the same thing, but it's really beneficial, especially for this podcast, because um, you build out that form where I mm -hmm. ask for your headshot and everything, and you just don't have to exchange emails back and forth. It makes it so much easier, because who has time to be like, oh, can we meet at like 2.30 on a Tuesday? Oh, no, that doesn't work. Like, um, can we meet at like 5? You know, like, who has time for that back and forth? Exactly. Um, and I think that's another case where I'm going to jump back just a little bit, but I think that's another case of... Um, you know, what's your number one tip for, for starting up and that's setting up the records first. And like, it took a while for me to set up my Calendly originally and to make sure that each different appointment type had the right sort of parameters with my calendar. Um, but now that it's up and running, it just is so easy to be able to send people like, look, here's a few, a few links, pick one, it'll put itself right in my calendar and then we'll be good to go. Um, I think that's a good example of that in practice and it's really worthwhile to spend the time. Totally. And I also like that you mentioned Google Drive because I, I say the same thing. Like, it's so nice to be able to uh, access everything on the go. And my husband is like a finance guy and that's like his day job. So he's like team Excel and he does not understand my love for Google Sheets and Google Drive and all that stuff. He's like, you can't do all the formulas. I'm like, yeah, but I don't need that. Like, I just need to be able to access it on the go. Like you can, most of the time you can't really pull up your Excel document from your phone unless it's like you know it's not an updated version unless you have like the online version so right right so it's definitely nice to have those like updated documents when you need them so i'm like we always Absolutely. have a battle from like team sheets or team excel and he's just like he's not having it but it's funny i'm like corporate world problems okay <laughs> <laughs> um and then lastly who is your go-to business resource so just someone that you are always like consuming the content it doesn't have to be like an online entrepreneur or anything but just someone that you're really inspired by so one of the um one of the things that i have been thinking a lot about recently and i've been focusing a lot in the past year is reading a lot of seth godin's work right now i'm reading this is marketing and it has um really changed the way that I think about some of my interactions with clients. And I think it's important more broadly not to get bogged down in or, or sort of blinded by reading industry specific works and industry specific resources, but sort of thinking more broadly. If you're trying to diversify income streams, you should also diversify sort of the business reading that you're doing. Um, 
And I think this is marketing really sort of gets at ways to think about how your clients are thinking and how to interact with people um, who might need your services and how to be better in that regard. So that's one that I've been, I've been focusing on lately. There's also a forum that I really love if people are interested in real estate investment specifically called Bigger Pockets. It's a national site and it goes, there's, there's forums for local markets and there's people talking about all, all levels and sizes of real estate investment portfolios, but it's a really great starting point for people who are thinking this might be something that they want to get into and diversify with. And there's a ton of people on there, a lot of resources, but, um, and most of them are good. Some of them are, are not, but uh, I think there's a lot there and their podcast is also a really good resource. So I tend to go there also, if, especially if I'm trying to learn about another market that I'm not as familiar with or sort of understand what other people are doing in my market, it's just a really helpful um, spot to be. And then the last thing I'll say is to dig into your local entrepreneur and small business networks. I feel like there are always you know, Facebook groups and meetup groups and all of these these groups of people, especially if you live in an urban area, of people who are trying to do the same things that you are and trying to navigate the space and make all of these decisions. And it's really good to reach out to those networks and touch base with people who are at a similar space or maybe are just ahead of where you were. Um, just to, to be able to connect and, and remember that it's not just your imagination, that sometimes these things are hard and they take time and patience is, uh, is a virtue, but it's a difficult one. Totally. And I think that's really beneficial for online entrepreneurs too, to take advantage of like that networking. Cause you don't really get a lot of like FaceTime with people, especially in person, a lot of people, cause they don't work with people locally. Like I know myself, I don't have any clients. I don't even think in Texas at all. <laughs> not right. And that's tough. So it's hard. So being able to have people like in the same industry as you, but you're not like directly competing or anything and being able to like talk to them in person and just go to those networking opportunities. I think that's really beneficial. And not only does it get you out of the house and networking, but it also can open you up to new opportunities as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love Seth Godin too. I actually haven't read any of his books, but I always like his quotes are always so on point. I'm like, I need to pick up one of these yeah, books. They really are. It's, it's okay. almost annoying, honestly, reading his books sometimes. Cause it's like, Oh, another hit. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I gotta highlight this too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let us know where we can find you online. So I'm on Instagram is my is my primary social media platform of of all the times, um, and I'm K Ziegs so K Z I E G S on Instagram. I'm also um, K Ziegs on Twitter. You can find Home Love Letter at Home Love Letter on Instagram, and Boston Art Shop is Boston Art Shop on Instagram. Um, and so my website is katebostonrealestate.com and then you can also find all of the Union Jack Creative projects and products at unionjackcreative.com. Awesome. Well, I'll link everything in the show notes so they can go and check that out. But yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 86. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. 
Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.